0: Welcome to 12 Stone and happy Easter, everyone. Particularly if you're at a Saturday night campus service or if you're at the sunrise, come on now. Yeah, I know. Of course, Easter is all about Jesus, and we'll get to that in the teaching, but modern culture has added one of the best things to Easter and that is chocolate. Yes. Come on everybody, how many love chocolate? Marcia and I got our hands up, come on baby. We yep. love chocolate, you have to love chocolate. <laughs> in fact, what you have in front of you is a table of, of chocolate. And, and I say that as a matter of fact. This, it's just a matter of fact that that's all chocolate. It's a matter of what? Fact, everybody, now listen, Saturday night, sunrise, say loud and proud when I give you a moment, a pause, fill in the blank here. It's a matter of fact. You ready? It's a matter of what? Fact. Now, what's the best chocolate? Ah, dark chocolate or milk chocolate. That is a matter of opinion. A matter of what, everybody? Opinion. Well, that brings conversation to Marsha and I. We will have been married this summer for 40 years. Come on, yes. baby, right there, 40 years. But honey, if you were going to pick between dark chocolate and milk chocolate, what would you pick? Oh, hands down dark. Yeah. Yes. See, that's, that's immediately <laughs> <on>. the breakdown. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I don't want to say she's wrong because I can't and stay married, but she's not exactly right. How's that? Let's take a poll.
1: Okay, that sounds good. Anybody who likes dark, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Keep them up. Keep yep. them up.
0: I don't care. Whoop All it up right. wherever see, you are. See, more than you thought, at, at least. least. <laughs> okay. And you <laughs> and Marcia bought you. Um... Yes. One of these dark chocolate bunnies. The campus pastor is going to pass one out to one of you dark chocolate lovers. So raise your hand real high. That will kill you. We can see one. you. And you know what? If the campus pastor handed it to me, like I've watched you, campus pastor, have all your conversations about candy, but the best is chocolate, and I see you're handing that out. That's fine. But if he handed it to me, I wouldn't need it. It's too bitter. What I can tell you is what's better. What's better? Milk chocolate. Come on. Everybody who loves milk chocolate, hands up. Let me hear you. The milk chocolate people just make noise. That's right. And your campus pastor, I bought one of these milk chocolate for a milk chocolate lover. And you're going to enjoy that. Fantastic. Now, we're having some fun here. But the truth is, neither one of us are more right than the other. Because it's just a matter of opinion. That's true. Now, now, this table being chocolate, that's a matter of fact. There's no disputing that it's all chocolate. Are we going somewhere? Of course we're going somewhere. (laughs) See, in a world of opinions, there's all kinds of opinions about how you get to heaven. When in reality, how you get to heaven is a matter of fact. That's what Jesus said. That's at the center, the essence of Easter in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets restored to their Heavenly Father. Except for me. Through Jesus. Huh. That's where the conversation goes today. And that's a, a matter of fact. So, Marcia. Would you, would you pray over us? We took Absolutely. a moment to, to just write a prayer over you, over us. Would you offer the prayer? Father, today we celebrate who you are and what you have done for us. We thank you for loving us as we are and making a way for us to be restored to you. Encourage those of us who have been forgiven, set free, and follow you. For those who are spiritually unresolved, help them discover your love and come to faith in Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we'll leave the chocolate behind. We can all get back to that after service. Go eat all the chocolate you want. But let's get to the question for today's teaching. What does it mean to forgive someone? Why should I care? What does it mean for someone to forgive? What does that mean? And why should I care? Just right off, let me tell you why we should care. Because we need forgiveness. Why should you care? Because you need forgiveness. We're going to step into the story Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. About a son who got lost, spiritually lost. And his opinion was, well, I don't need forgiveness. Ah, hang on to the story. Before it comes to an end, he discovers he really does need forgiveness. And as soon as you discover you're in need of forgiveness, then that's what matters, and it's going to matter. So what does it mean for someone to forgive? Let me, let me give you kind of a quick summary of it. To forgive means to set them free from their debt, as you absorb all the cost or the loss. In other words, if, if someone hurt you, if someone owes you, if they have a debt to you, then when you forgive them, you take the hit, you take all the loss, you take, you, you absorb it and you set them free. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Why does all that matter? Because you have no way to get to heaven apart from the forgiveness of God made possible through Jesus. See, we are in the Jesus storybook Bible, and we've been in this for several weeks. And what's interesting is how many of you have said to us, this is my favorite series that 12 stone has ever done. That's fantastic. And I, and I know why. And by the way, we have six more weeks in the Old Testament for Old Testament stories. And, and hey, if you're new, maybe you're just hanging out on Easter, checking it out. If you're new, you can jump in next six weeks. And if you don't have one of these as your own, listen, we'll give you one. You show up next week, you jump in on the series and we'll, we'll give you one for free. Our, our gift to you. And, and be a part of it because you want your kids to know God. You want your kids Have a sense of purpose and values and win in life. So you're their spiritual parent. And this is all of us cooperating together. In fact, some are reading this on their own. Some as couples, some with their teenagers, and many with their younger kids. We, reading a story a week, is a devotional, and then we're teaching it on the weekend. We'll get right back to it next week. But this week, we're we're stepping into the New Testament side of the Jesus Storybook Bible. So let's do that. Jesus tells the story from Luke chapter 15. Jesus told this story about a boy who ran away. Once upon a time, there was a boy and his dad. Now, one day the boy gets to thinking, maybe if I didn't have my dad around telling me what is good for me all the time, I'd be happier. He's spoiling my fun, he thinks. Does my dad really want me to be happy? Does my dad really love me? The son never thought, of that before. But suddenly, boy, he doesn't know anymore. So the son goes to his father and says, Dad, I'm better off without you. I can look after myself. Just give me my share of your money. His father was sad, but he won't force his boy to stay. So he gives his son what he wants. The son takes the money and goes on a long, long journey to a far away or far off country. And everything's wonderful and perfect for a while. He can go wherever he wants, do whatever he wants, be whoever he wants. He is the boss. He is free. Sometimes he gets a strange, hungry, homesick feeling inside his heart. But then he just eats more, drinks more, buys more clothes or goes to more parties until it goes away. But soon, his money runs out, and so do his friends. And he ends up getting the only job he can find, feeding pigs. One day, he is so hungry and so desperate, he even tries some piggy food. What am I doing? He says suddenly, as if he has woken from a nightmare. He spits, yuck, all of it, ick, out of his mouth. My father is rich, and here I am in a pigsty eating piggy food. He wipes his mouth and dusts himself off. I'm going home. Huh. When Jesus tells this story is to explain to the crowd, after they have suggested the religious leaders that Jesus welcomes sinners, perhaps he just doesn't take sin seriously. And we're about to discover he takes sin more seriously than the rest. And he tells this story because Jesus welcomes sinners. But what is he really doing? So because we have limited time, I'm going to highlight some things through the story. And just to help you keep up, I'll, I'll give you the driving thought and then unpack it. And we'll see the power of what God did for us through Jesus on Easter. First of all, a parable. This is a parable, and a parable is a made-up story. So hang on, this story never actually happened. Jesus is making up the story. It's an earthly story that people can remember in order to translate or communicate a meaningful, eternal truth. So we, all of us, are the lost son, if you will. We're the lost sons and daughters of our heavenly father. And God is the father in this story. Hence, it's a parable. Now, Middle Eastern context. Around 32 AD is when Jesus told this story. So here's what's important. To translate the story, you have to translate it and how it would have been heard in the Middle Eastern time when Jesus delivered it. You can't Americanize the story or you'll misunderstand the translation. Next, the son told his father, I wish you were dead. That's what you need to understand. When he said to his father, I want my inheritance, what it literally meant, and the audience of Jesus knew this, is that he was saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Because his father would have to be dead in order for him to get the inheritance. And the son never asks the father. The father is the one who brings up the subject whenever the father believes it's time. He's the one who creates the conversation. And then at his death, the inheritance occurs. So literally what you need to know is that the son was saying, I wish you were dead. In other words, this is the death of our relationship. We no longer have a relationship. What the son was doing right here was evil. By the way, that's not a matter of opinion, that's a matter of fact. It was evil. He was turning on the one who gave him life, provided for him, and loved him. That's what we do when we sin. It's evil when we say there is no God and we go our own way and we make our own decisions and set our own values. And by the way, yes, it's great sin to break the rules. And the son was breaking the rules. But the greater sin, oh, pay attention. The greater sin Jesus was revealing is that the son was breaking the relationship. That's the great sin, the great loss. We have broken our relationship with our heavenly father. Father. And gone our own way. Next. The son told the family, I'm getting out. Not, I'm growing up. See, when we Americanize this story, we think, well, the son's just going off on his own. Like we send people to college, give them some money and help them go. That's not what's occurring. The culture of his day knew what it meant in the story. The son was prematurely saying, hey, why don't you just give me what should be mine someday? Because I know you love me, but I'm going to go off on my own and do my own thing. But what he was more saying is this. I'm cutting myself off from the family. I am separating myself from our genealogy. I am shunning the family. No longer consider me a part of this family. I am separate. I have walked away. You're no longer my father. I'm no longer your son. See, the intensity of this could be missed by us. But that's what's going on in the story, and so the audience would have understood. Next, the son could not just come back home. See, therefore, the intensity of this was not you figure out that you've got regret, so you just come back home. Oh, uh, no, that's not what would have happened. Some scholars help us get context. And the context is that if he ever did regret and wanted to come home, he'd have to bring home with him the full inheritance. But we read from the story, he's lost it all. He can't come home. In other words, for him to come home, he'd have to accumulate that full inheritance again. By the way, in Middle Eastern time, if you're a Jew and you lost your inheritance to Gentiles, to non-Jews, that's unforgivable. And even at that, if he did have the whole inheritance or were able to somehow earn it all back, which he never could really, because it's too great of an amount, even if he did come home, it's not sure that he would be embraced and restored. There's penance and process and it's just, it would never be accomplished. So he can't just come back home. The audience knew that. Next, he came to his senses in the story, not the way the Jesus' storybook Bible wrote it for children, but in the biblical story as it's recorded and Jesus told it, it says, and the son, while he's eating the piggy food, came to his senses. By the way, that is not equal to repentance. Now, when we read that story, we may think, oh, that's, that's equal to repentance. He repented and came home. I'm with the scholars that believe he was not repentant yet. What he was endeavoring to do is recover. In other words, he had regrets and he wanted to recover. But this was not repentance. Why do we think that? Look at what the son said to himself. There are three statements here in scripture. He says to the effect, I've sinned against heaven and you. So I'll go home and say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'll say to my father, I forfeited my place of your son, as your son, no longer worthy. And then he says, I'll make myself a servant. But it's literally in the language of craftsman. And, and the essence of becoming a craftsman is that I'll make it up to you. In other words, I'll earn back the inheritance to be restored. See, what, I, what we think is going on because of that particularly third sentence is he's saying, if you read it in detail and you go back into the scripture, you go underneath it, the way Jesus said it, the way it was written, is that he says, I'll go back home and there's craftsmen who have a craft, a learned job they're paid so well that they have enough food and to spare. They have more to spare. And the importance with more to spare is then the son can become eventually a craftsman, save up money, and recover the inheritance. He's still thinking that somehow he's going to earn all of this back. And the audience knew that. Now keep listening. Th- that was delusional for the son. It's delusional for us. First of all, he never could have accumulated the debt that was due. To pretend he could earn it back would be to trivialize the broken relationship and the debt that was due. Besides, even if he were able to earn back the inheritance, that would never buy off the evil of the broken relationship. We're always at risk of trivializing our sin. Many people hope to go to heaven. But then we trivialize what our sin has done and the debt that is due. See, the consequences, the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans. The wages, the consequence of sin, its payment is death. That's our debt. So you can't earn that back. It's not, we, we have all these opinions in the world. How you get to heaven? Oh, I'll just do some good things. Oh, th- that's trivializing sin. That's that you don't, under, then we don't understand. The matter of fact is that the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty. That's the debt to be paid. Oh, I'll go to church a little bit here and there. And if I go to church, I go, no, that doesn't. Work. Oh, I've got family members who went to church. Oh, I, I call myself Christian because it's my family religion. Listen, if you have not personally been forgiven and personally followed Jesus, you have no hope of heaven. You can't be baptized when you're an infant, and now that takes you into heaven. There's no earning our way. It's by God's grace that we are saved through faith. This is not of any effort of our own. So none of us get to boast. So you must personally be forgiven. And personally follow Jesus. Next. The son repents. Why do we say next the son repents? See because when you go deeper in the story. You see that what the son intended to say. Those three statements. He now does not say those. So the son heads back. To the father. And when the son heads back. To the father. And he experiences the father. He says, I've sinned against heaven and you. I forfeited my place as son. When, When he says, when he says those two things, the last thing he does not do is say, make me a craftsman. I'll make it up to you. I'll earn back the inheritance to be restored. See, something curious is happening here. What happened in between is the father's love. See, what happened is the son was coming home and he was, he was a distance off. It says that he was, the father saw him from a distance. What that means is this is, if this is the village and the son is coming to the village and then to the father whose, whose place home is in the village, as the son comes from a distance, the father sees him. Now the father sees him from far off before the son can get in the village. See, the son has cut him off from the family, but also from the village. And if he walks to the village, it'll be a walk of shame. That village has already cut him off. He has no place in the village. So when the father way down here sees his son far off, that's how Jesus is telling his story. The father runs to the son. Let me tell you what's happening when the father runs to the son. In that time, this rich father would have had a robe. And in order to run, he would have had to hike up the robe, which is indignant. and He would never do ever. would show his legs, his undergarments. In that day, if you understood Middle Eastern culture, again, you can't apply it to us, apply it to them. That would have been a walk or run of shame. And the father ran to the son before the son could ever get in the village and do the walk of shame. The father carried the son's shame. Because the father ran to the son and loved him and embraced him, and the son experienced the compassion and the love of the Father, that's when he repented. And in that moment, he said, I've sinned against heaven and you. In that moment, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But in that moment, he did not finish his last line. He did not say, make me a craftsman and I'll earn it back. He just stopped right there. It's why scholars believe that's when he repented. See, it was the compassion of the father that spurred on the repentance of the son. Let me just go to the next line. What does it mean? Yeah, here we are. The father restores the son. See, the forgiveness thing, the father took all the hits. And now the father restores the son. Let me tell you how important that is. When he restores the son, Jesus said, he told the servants, go get a robe and put it on him. Go get a ring and put it on his finger. What was he doing? Before the son ever walked to the village or got back to the house, the father was restoring the son. The robe he put on the son was the father's robe. Son had already gotten his inheritance. It wasn't his. And the father was restoring his dignity. When the father had a ring put on his finger, it was the father's ring. And that was restoring him to family. What blew the minds of the audience of that moment when Jesus told the story is that the father took all the hits, provided forgiveness and restoration. This was so arresting. So the father restores the son and it's a celebration. Let's look at the scripture that tells us bring the father says bring the fatted calf and kill it let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again he is lost and is found so they began to celebrate and if you want context previously Jesus gives us a framework I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one over one how many one just one lost son one lost daughter you might be that one Maybe today, Easter, this is your day. You're the one. One sinner who repents. See, what the son does here is repents. And so it's a celebration. Now, clarify the celebration. We celebrate the forgiving father, not the fallen son. Just to be clear, every time someone comes to faith in Christ, we're we're celebrating the forgiving father. We're... We're not celebrating. It's not. Oh, son! This is... people didn't gather in the community and have a party for the son because he's just a fallen fool. They were stunned and amazed that the father forgave, freed, and restored the son. The celebration was for a forgiving father. You know, if somebody says, "Oh," I'm going to go out surfing, and they've never surfed, and they don't know how to swim, but just they're full of themselves and arrogant, and they go out in the water. Well, not long before they're pretty soon going to be drowning in the water. When the lifeguard runs out, swims out, and rescues them, we don't celebrate the drowning fool. We're grateful that they went from death to life, but we celebrate the rescuer, and Jesus is the rescuer happy Easter. Welcome to Easter, everyone. Jesus is our rescuer. He's the one we celebrate. So the whole point of the story is that we are like the lost son and sin separates us from God. It it destroys our relationship and we did it. It means we die physically here on earth. We're separated from God for all eternity. We lose out on this relationship and Jesus leaves heaven, comes to earth, God in human flesh, and takes sin so seriously because the consequences is death that he pays our sin debt. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he died voluntarily. He never sinned, so he never would have died. And when he took the whipping and the beating and the nails in his hands and feet, when he died on that cross, his shed blood was our penalty for sin. He paid our debt. See, forgiveness takes the cost to hit the loss. That's the first thing it does. And then Jesus was buried we all know the celebration of Easter, that Jesus rose from the dead. And come on, that is a huge celebration. I mean, the power of God unleashed, and Jesus rises from the dead. And when they went to the tomb, there was no body there. And more importantly, when they, when they went looking around, Jesus appeared to him. He appeared to hundreds for days. Taught about the kingdom of God and that now God's made it possible that fallen men and women who have sinned can find forgiveness because Jesus paid our price. Jesus took our hit. We can be freed and restored to our heavenly father. I mean, there's nothing like it in all the world. This blows our mind. Why would you not say yes to God? Why would you not receive? See, that's precisely what God did for Devin and Shannon. See, we just talked about a story that Jesus told in 32 A.D., but now, today, six months ago, Devin and Shannon, well, Shannon, She grew up churched, but never personally received forgiveness from Jesus or followed him, walked away from that. Maybe you're a lot like Shannon or Devin, who he and I had lunch a couple weeks back and tell me his story and he hadn't met in church his whole life. Well, maybe twice. He's like 34 and. Married with his son, Lincoln. Didn't understand it. And yet, over this past year, things have been stirring. He's ex-military, and he's back here, and God was stirring, and then a friend was influencing, and then he got invited to church. and, And then on Christmas Eve, God transformed his and her life. See, what God did in them modern day he will do for you listen in on their story
1: it was weird because it's funny just because we like looked at each other in the same moment and yeah. i knew he was feeling the same thing i was feeling mm-hmm. no oh, my
2: heart was just like in just it, it just felt like somebody had an vice and was just like twisting it and i just i had to do something i had to say something mm-hmm. i had to get it out i had to do it mm-hmm.
1: was already in the army and uh one of our mutual friends told us that he was in town on r&r from iraq and i was like oh Devin, i haven't i haven't seen him in i don't know probably years it would be good to probably probably a few years it'd be good to reconnect say hi and just something inside me was like just reach out we met up and i don't want to say love at first sight but it was it was love in three days. I remember
2: she took me for a drive and she drove so fast. I was like, am I gonna die here? Like, in, not, not in Iraq, i am gonna die here? And she used to drive so fast. I don't fast. anymore. She's so good now, but dude, so scary. And she drove me to Steak and Shake at like one in the morning, cause I didn't have a car, you know, so she was there. And uh, yeah, leaving those three days later, it was like, yeah, it was it was
1: wild. We spent the next three days together. He had to go back to Iraq, and we <clears throat> talked the whole time he was in Iraq. And when he got back, we got married. <laughs> there were times in the first few years of our marriage that I... Thought, I was like, this isn't gonna work. Um, I was very uh stubborn and close guarded and had a wall around my heart, and I think he had some anger issues from the military that he had to work through.
2: Yeah, I had a lot. Mm-hmm. It was probably I, I don't know where it all comes from. You know, uh, it keeps you safe, keeps you warm. <laughs> hey, you know. You're conditioned to be that way. And I've been in disenfranchised parts of the world, third world country. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Iraq where there was poverty, you know. It was just, it was horrible.
1: A gym and i was taking kickboxing at the time and it was helping me with some of my medical issues and i suggested to him hey how about you come try maybe something in the gym maybe help with your anger help with some of your anxiety you have see if it helps
3: you wouldn't even know he was in the door before you know like when he was in the gym he was just this quiet and he looked mean like he was just he just had a, a face and like a serious face all the time very quick to get anger, but really, I remember him just just closed off.
2: Douglas and Diego Lima own the gym. Um, they're good friends of mine. They're well known in the mixed martial arts world. And over time, I became such good friends with them. I was drawn to them. They're good, good very good people. Um, And I was like wanting to spend more time with them. And they would, uh, I would see that they were Christian and that they, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm not really big on religion, but whatever is good for you guys. And we were in busting up this bathroom in this new gym we're building and it was just nothing. There was no walls. It was just like raw plumbing and concrete and rebar. And we're in there putting framing in to put stalls in, right? And uh, we're just having a conversation. And before I know it, we've been talking about the Bible for an hour. And then we kind of all looked around and just like, just started dying, laughing. And I was like, What's going on in here? And they both looked at me and they're like, It's God, man. They're like, It's working. They're like, we can see it, you know? And it was a weird moment. Like, I even cried right then. And I was like, This is awesome. Like, I don't ever want to leave this crappy space. And it was like stuffy and congested, but I had a revelation in my heart. In that moment, I was like, There's something special.
1: His mom reached out to me and was said I want to I think I want to go to church will you go with me and I said yes absolutely so I mentioned to him I was like hey me and your mom are going to go to 12 stone um is it okay if I take Lincoln with us to church and he said well can I come too (laughs) it was on Christmas Eve um Pastor Trey said um if you feel led to come up and and surrender and devote yourself to Jesus as a follower. And
2: We looked at each we, other, yeah. and I like, well, I'm going. She's like, I'm going. I was like,
1: like it just go. hit us at the right. same exact moment.
2: It was like I just needed to take that step. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I felt it. There was no way back, you know. You I
1: had a, a pretty <laughs> traumatic past um, that left a lot of pain. As the years go by, you learn to live with the pain, okay. and that's just how it is. The second that we gave ourselves to jesus like that pain was gone Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that no there's something there to carry it for you and take it and it literally like my heart was different in that second but it was just different it was never Mm -hmm.
3: the same with him what you notice the most is the calmness now you know Before, it was just, uh, because they're used to, you know, military, it's just boom, boom, boom. It's just, ah, ah, let's go, attack right away and all that. But then you just notice it's like there's something better now. It's like, no, 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 I'm not going to fight flesh with flesh, you know. And it's amazing, you know, nobody's perfect. We all have faults, but then, but you see that it's just, just in the inside, you know. You can't really explain it. That's what amazes me It's just the difference in In normal, just normal life, it's like how you carry life. It's like, put your problem in his hands and he'll guide you.
0: Come on, church. Wherever you are, if you're gathered on Saturday night or if you're at the sunrise service, all of heaven celebrates just one. And maybe you're that one. And what God did for them in that moment, he will do for you in this moment. Jesus took our shame. Jesus paid our debt. So how do you get to heaven? It's not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of fact. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, maybe you're more like Shannon. You might even say, I'm Christian. What you mean is, I'm of the Christian religion. But you have yet to be personally forgiven and follow Jesus. Maybe you're more like Devin. You just never made sense to you, you didn't understand, you didn't know who Jesus was or what he'd done. God has been revealing himself to you, and this is your moment. What does it look like to make that decision? Well, it's summarized in a profound prayer, something like this. Heavenly Father, I believe that you created me and love me. I confess that I have sinned against you and broken our relationship. I ask you to forgive me through the sacrifice of Jesus. Restore me to yourself and help me to follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. See, this is your repentance. Repentance is when you do a 180. You know, you're walking this way. God's back here. You're walking this way. And repentance is when you do a 180 and you turn your walk toward God. God makes it possible for us to be forgiven, freed, and restored and come home. The son had to repent. Listen, Jesus has made everything possible, but you have to repent. You got to come home. And so maybe this is your moment. And we're now going to read this prayer together aloud. I want all of you, whatever campus you're at, Saturday night or if you're gathering early at a sunrise service. And as we read this prayer, for some of you, this is your prayer. This is your moment like a Shannon, like Devin. So now let's just read it together. Everybody read it, read it with me loud and proud. But for some of you, this is your moment. For others of you, you've said yes, and this is just true of you. Let's read it together. Heavenly Father, I believe that you created me and loved me. I confess I have sinned against you and broken our relationship. I ask you to forgive me through the sacrifice of Jesus. Restore me to yourself and help me to follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And the very thing that Devin and Shannon did on Christmas Eve, we're going to do right now. I'm going to turn the service to the campus pastors. They're going to step up and give you guidance, but you're going to step out of your seat. So everyone, let's stand together across the campuses. Stand up with me right now. Just whatever service you're at, stand up with me. And we're going to take a moment. The campus pastor is going to step up and they're going to guide you. And when you come forward, they're going to hand you your salvation storybook. We created this just for you. You get to sign it and date it. This is your day of salvation. It guide you into prayer and guide you into how to read God's word. And then we have a, a, the, the book of Mark and a, a, a reading guide. I mean, we're just going to help you in this spiritual journey. So, I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors, and you might be the one, and just one, and all of heaven will celebrate.